Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter 14 of After Virtue, after having introduced the notion of practice and defined it to some extent and its relations with other key ideas, such as standards of excellence, obedience to rules, achievements of goods, and indeed to virtues. And after having provided a preliminary definition of a virtue as an acquired human quality, the possession and exercise of which tends to enable us to achieve those goods which are internal to practices and the lack of which effectively prevents us from achieving any such goods. After doing all of that, Alistair McIntyre is going to single out and identify and to some degree discuss three virtues in particular that he views as absolutely necessary and essential if we're going to have viable practices. So we can't just pick and choose whatever virtues we want to work on, like say, I'm gonna focus just on generosity because we need these other three, you might say, in order to be able to have the practices and thereby even to be able to have the other virtues. So what are these three, we might say, architectonic virtues? Well, they are, as McIntyre tells us, justice, courage, and honesty. And he's not saying that these are definitely the only ones that we'll ever need. As a matter of fact, he leaves it open and he will discuss in later works additional virtues. But in this section, he's concentrating just on these. And so he tells us that It belongs to the concept of a practice as I've outlined it. And we are all familiar with it already in our actual lives, whether we're painters or physicists or quarterbacks, or just indeed lovers of good painting or first rate experiments or a well-thrown pass, that its goods can only be achieved by subordinating ourselves. And we'll come back to that in a moment. Within the practice, in our relationship to other practitioners, we have to learn to recognize what is due to whom. We have to be prepared to take whatever self-endangering risk are demanded along the way and we have to listen carefully to what we are told about our own inadequacies and reply with the same carefulness for the facts. So already he's talking there about justice, courage, and honesty, right? So why do we need those so badly? In order that we can actually develop within the practices because in order to do that, you do in in fact have to choose to subordinate yourself. This doesn't mean in some sort of dominant submissive way or anything like that. It means recognizing that other people are further along the path than you are, that you can learn from them and that you can't just make it up as you go along that oftentimes there's an entire body of expertise that it would behoove you to benefit from by learning from and measuring yourself against it. So we subordinate ourselves. Practices are concerned with internal goods. That is goods that can only be realized through the context of engaging in that practice. And they provide standards of excellence, usually an entire range. These are standards for beginners. This is okay for you. Here's the standard standards for intermediate. You don't want to be like a beginner anymore, right? Here's the standards for mastery level of excellence. 
All of those are integral to practices and virtues as McIntyre is understanding them. So why then these three? He tells us we have to accept as necessary components of any practice with internal goods and standards of excellence, these virtues, not to accept these, to be willing to cheat, for example, bars us from achieving the standards of excellence or the goods internal to the practice. That would be a violation, for example, of honesty. When people fake things, when they print themselves certificates of achievement for having done something that is really quite meaningless, they haven't actually learned the skill. We'll use an example in, in music. We always used to say, play it first, then play it fast, right? And you would see people, this is also holds in martial arts too. My sensei would always say, do it first and then do it fast. Meaning do the motions correctly, master the thing, and then speed it up instead of speeding it up to cover up your, your mistakes. Another prime example of this would be how people love to use effects when they're playing music. Prime example would be auto-tune for voices, but a distortion pedal is a guitarist's friend, right? Because it covers up sloppiness. If you play clean, then you can actually hear whether you're getting the notes right or not, and whether you have some things that you need to work on. Being willing to accept that and say, oh yes, I do need to work on that, and not cheating on it, not trying to pass off some inadequate performance or a poorly developed performance or one you just happen to get lucky about as being the genuine article is part of what it means to be able to develop within a practice. So he gives several examples here that illustrate why truthfulness, why justice, why courage, and what these are. So he, he says, consider this example. A, B, C, and D are friends in the sense of friendship, which Aristotle takes to be primary. They share in the pursuit of certain goods. In my terms, they share in a practice. D dies in obscure circumstances. A discovers how D died and tells the truth about it to B while lying to C. So that we've got a problem with honesty there, right? C discovers the lie. And here's what McIntyre says. What A cannot in then intelligibly claim is that he stands in the same relationship of friendship to both B and C. By telling the truth to one, lying to the other, he has partially defined a difference in the relationship. So he can't say we're all exactly the same when it comes to this friendship. He can't be dishonest about that. McIntyre says he can have some perfectly good explanations for that. He might say he was trying to spare C pain or he's simply cheating C, but some difference in the relationship now exists as a result of the lie for their allegiance to each other in the pursuit of common goods has been put in question. Honesty covers a lot of different ground. It's honesty, not just towards oneself, being honest about one's own current status and need for improvement. It's also honesty with other people. And in this case, we have a sort of meta honesty. He could lie about the lie as well. And that would create even more problems. And what this is going to do is put a damper on things. McIntyre talks about justice as well. He gives another example and he says that, whether we acknowledge it or not, we have to see that we define our relations to each other by standards of justice. If A, a professor gives B and C the grades their papers deserve, but grades D because he's attracted by D's blue eyes or is repelled by D's dandruff, he has defined his relationship to D differently from his relationship to the other members of the class, whether he wishes it or not. He's been unjust in that respect, right? 
Why? Because he says justice requires we treat others in respect of merit or desert according to uniform and impersonal standards. To depart from the standards of justice defines our relationship with the relevant person in some way as special or distinctive. Even if we're like favoring them, we could still be unjust to them as well as unjust to the others as well. So justice is, is required within the framework of practices and the relationships in which we develop them. It's a little bit different with courage though. We hold courage to be a virtue. Why? Because the care and concern for individuals, communities, and causes, which is so crucial to so much in practices, requires the existence of courage as a virtue. Here's a great comparison here. If someone says he cares for some individual community or cause, but is unwilling to risk harm or danger on his, her, or its own behalf, this person puts into question the genuineness of their care and concern. Courage, the capacity to risk harm or danger to oneself, has its role in human life because of this connection with care and concern. And now McIntyre says, it's true, there are people who are cowards and genuinely care, but there we've got some sort of problem. We've got a kind of bifurcation going on within the human being. He says, that's not to say a man cannot genuinely care and also be a coward, but it is to say that a person who genuinely cares and is, does not have the capacity for risking harm or danger has to define themselves, both to themselves and others, as a coward. So if you do care about, say, your child, and you don't stand up for them when they're being bullied, you're a coward. And this is where I say, you know, truthfulness might enter in. A lot of people want to lie to themselves. Oh, it wasn't the right time for me to say something. No, you probably should have said something. That was what courage would acquire. And McIntyre talks here about braving danger. Danger could be of all sorts. It could be to one's social status. It could be to monetary loss. It could be life and limb. It could be risking another relationship. Courage is also required in truth-telling, isn't it? When you have to break something to somebody that they don't want to hear. And truthfulness is required in courage. All three of these virtues meet up together and support each other. Now, another point that McIntyre makes that's absolutely important is that we live in societies. Not every society defines these or codes these in precisely the same way. He does say that Without these, we cannot actually have the practices. But he says Lutheran pietists, so, you know, Immanuel Kant is an example of this, brought up their children to believe that one ought to tell the truth to everybody at all times, whatever the circumstances or consequences. But to take another side, traditional Bantu parents brought up their children not to tell the truth to unknown strangers. Why? Because they thought this could render the family vulnerable to witchcraft. In our culture, as a third example, many of us have been brought up not to tell the truth to elderly great aunts who invite us to admire their new hats. We're supposed to say it's, they're wonderful when actually we think that they're quite awful. And in each case, it's not as if there's only one pure standard of truthfulness. Truthfulness is being interpreted within a social matrix. But you have to have some sort of standard of truthfulness or you're not gonna get off the ground when it comes to these practices. Same thing with justice. Justice can be defined differently. Courage can be defined differently. The notion in our society that if somebody challenges you, you have to have a duel with them is fortunately, except in some very small subcultures, you know, something that's, that's gone by the wayside, but we have other ways of being courageous. 
So McIntyre's point is that in order for practices to flourish, no matter where they are, we need these three virtues in particular. And so that means that these virtues are going to be necessary for the cultivation of other virtues, which means that they are absolutely central to McIntyre's virtue ethics. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.